Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring the Donovan Frito Show. The Donovan Frito Show. You can call the show at 786-828-7068. You can follow along on Twitter at Alex Dono and at Josh Friedman. Live from Little Havana, this is the Dono and Frito Show. Hello and welcome into another episode of the Dono and Frito Show. Oh wait, let me give my signature. Yes! <laughs> we are here on Sirius XM Slam Radio. Alex Dono, Josh Friedman with you, better known as Dono and Frito and it, it's been a minute. Uh, I hope everyone is uh, is having a, a great week. It's been an eventful week here in the United States of America. It's been an eventful sports week. So whether you're a sports junkie, a political junkie, all points in between, this has been an interesting one. Frito, how you been, sir? I'm doing well. You know, I was kind of glued to the TV for a lot of yesterday watching the uh, inauguration and um you know, that was interesting. And now you've got football, great football weekend this past weekend. I'm looking forward to, you know, this weekend in the NFL. And, you know, the thing, the thing is with the AFC title game, I mean, everything depends on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, is it, if he's healthy, you know, it, it could be a phenomenal game. If he's not, and they have to rely on Chad Henney, are you kidding me? Forget it. Josh Allen's going to be quarterbacking in the Super Bowl for the Bills. You know, um, our guy, Larry Millian, the amigo here, who, here, who uh, of course, is, uh, is our, our, our esteemed leader here on Slam Radio. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know about this, mm-hmm. Frito, but he's, he's got a, a bet that if the Buffalo Bills get to the Super Bowl, and he clarified this for me last week because I was asking him, do they have to win the Super Bowl? No, he says they just have to get to the Super Bowl. He is going to have to be slammed through a table, you know, like the Bills fans do at the tailgates. Have you ever seen that? The, the, the Buffalo no, Bills fans, the, these guys are savages. So one of the tailgate traditions in Buffalo is they choke slam people through tables, like in the tailgates, like the WWE. And so Larry Million, if the Bills get to the Super Bowl, which means they're one victory over Kansas City away, he's got to get slammed through a table. He, he, he agreed to that before the playoffs even started. So they um, throw him down on a table. Yep. Throw them down on a table. I don't know who gets to do the honors. I don't know if uh, if you want to do it or if I get to do it or if you know you know I'd probably rather not do it because I'd be afraid of hurting him and then I'd feel guilty for the rest yeah. of my life. You know, <laughs> That's right? He's giving us a nice opportunity. I don't think I want to do physical harm to him. No, I don't either. I don't either. Um, you know, we could I take bets on what, what injury he might sustain. We we could do as my dog is begging me to pet him here. Um, <laughs> He, you know, he, we could take bets on what he'll injure. Will he separate his shoulder? Will he hurt his knee? You know, we, we could, we could make, you know, make book on this. Yeah. He, he's going to end up with a, a tweaked nerve like Pat Mahomes if he goes through that table. <laughs> and, and on, and on the Mahomes. Did thing, you see, you yeah. know, it, it, it didn't look like a big hit. And did you see him try to get up? I don't yeah. think he knew what planet he was on. Yeah, yeah, it, it didn't look good. And what, so, what you, you know, about Mahomes. What, what, what are you going to say about Mahomes? 
Well, no, it, I, I was I was going to go off on, on what you're saying with, with that injury. So, um, you know, initially, of course, uh, we're, we're all thinking, hey, with the way he reacted, that looks like a concussion. Um, you know, he didn't return to the game because he was in the protocol. He's still in the protocol. Uh, I, I've seen like it's been claimed that he is not concussed um, and four days in they're saying he has no symptoms and they're and they're now saying, hey, it's not a concussion. It's some kind of a, a tweaked nerve uh, in, in the neck is what was causing that. Um, and but still, like he, he whether it's a head injury or a neck injury, he's dealing with that this week. He's also dealing he's with in the concussion protocol. protocol. Yeah, he's in the protocol. He is in the protocol. And um, I, I can be a little bit cynical, Frito, because I, I have long maintained that the concussion protocol is not created equal, that if you're the second string linebacker, you're probably not getting through that protocol in time to play in the AFC championship game. <laughs> Whereas if you're the Super Bowl winning starting quarterback and poster boy for the NFL, you're absolutely going to get through that protocol in time to play and I know people will tell me, hey, this depends on doctors. This depends on reputations and medical professionals. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm thinking they're going to rush him through that protocol, whatever it takes to get him on the field this Sunday. I have little to no doubt that he plays this weekend. I hope so. Look, I don't want him to endanger his long-term health. And if he seriously, yeah. you know, could, could really do, you know, big harm to himself, he shouldn't play. If, if he can play, I mean, I was thinking about this last night. And, you know, he's among like a handful of players, maybe four or five players that are just, I think, head and shoulders above the rest in terms of excitement and watching them play. If you want to go just for the quarterback position, you know, you got him and, and Lamar Jackson, who looked like he was going to get sacked last week and runs 48 yards for a touchdown. And, you know, and, uh, and I would say Kyrie Irving, I'm thinking of the Celtics here, but uh, um, <laughs> Kyler Murray, um, you know, when he was healthy before he hurt his shoulder, you know, you, you didn't know if this guy was going to take off and run or, or you know, throw it to, to DeAndre Hopkins and all his other receivers. You know, Russell Wilson had a great first half and then fell off a cliff. I'm not sure what happened to him, but these guys, you can't take your eyes off him. And, you know, um, Derek Henry is a running back, you know, the guys that. I don't want to stop that guy. I mean, my God, the guy's, you know, fast and huge. And so there are a handful of players, in my opinion, that are just thrilling to watch. And Mahomes is one of them. And, I mean, we are looking at, you know, if he stays healthy, an absolute surefire first ballot Hall of Famer might break Drew Brees' records. And Brees, you know, we might have seen Brees in his last game, uh, you know, against the Bucks the other day. But he's going to be mentioned in the class, I think, of the all-time, all-time great receivers, like a Hall of Fame, Hall of Famer, like above the rest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and what, what I think about Mahomes, it's like not only is this guy, you know, super charismatic and he's becoming the face of the league, you know, he's going to be, for the next 15 years, he's going to be what, you know, a guy like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees have been for the previous 15 years, throw Peyton Manning in that conversation as well. And, you know, and, and, and you can understand why when you talk about the electricity. I mean, we saw it in the Super Bowl last year that if you think his team is down and out, like there's really only a handful of quarterbacks throughout history that are special enough and talented enough to put the team on their back and single-handedly make the difference. And I know quarterback is the most important position in the league, 
but you're still relying on 10 other people uh, on your offense to help you through it from the guys blocking for you to the guys, you know, running routes and everything. And so even really good quarterbacks can be let down by the other 10, whereas Patrick Mahomes is so special. He can make up for more of that difference by himself than most players can. And man, yeah, you, you were right to say something, Frito, that if the Chiefs were to have to go into this game against Buffalo, depending on Chad Henney, and listen, we saw a couple of nice plays from Henney last week to preserve that victory. He did throw an ugly interception, but then he also had that third down run and then, you know, the, the fourth down completion. Keep, to ice keep, the game. keep talking. I'm going to let my dog. Okay? Sure, 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 sure. So listen, uh, I mean, uh, Chad, Chad Henney deserves, yeah. uh, he, he deserves a nice pat on the bat on the back for helping Kansas city preserve that victory last week against Cleveland and, and move on to the next round. But if they were to have to depend on Henny for four quarters against a really good team, like the Buffalo bills, uh, it's going to be problematic. And, you know, Buffalo beating Baltimore last week, Frito, there was so much overreaction going into that game. Um, knee jerk reactions, prisoners of the moment. Okay. Because Buffalo the week prior to that, defense didn't look good against Indianapolis. They barely squeaked by. And I, I noticed that people just, they were suddenly ignoring like a 12-game winning streak for Buffalo and saying, oh, no, no, this team's vulnerable. You know, Baltimore, you know, they're, they're going to be three-point favorites. They're going to get by Buffalo, no problem. And I'm like, guys, hey, like, you know, I, I'm more a believer in buying low and selling high. And so one one mediocre performance by Buffalo where they still won the game, I'm not going to jump off that ship the way a lot of people were. And then you saw a complete performance by the Bills in, in beating Baltimore and kind of exposing Lamar Jackson a little bit for being maybe a, mm -hmm. a little bit too one-dimensional to beat them. And Josh Allen is fantastic. So, you know, coming into this Sunday, Frito, you know, uh, if like I expect Mahomes to play, and I know Mahomes is special, but if he's only 60, 70% in this game, Buffalo's got a real shot to send him home. And I mean, you know, I, I, I'm rooting for Kansas City because I want to see Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and, and that whole team again. I just have so much, it's so much fun to watch them. But am I going to be immensely disappointed if, if, if Buffalo prevails? No, I mean, because Josh Allen is there. And he's, you know, he's one of the next generation of quarterbacks as well. I'm not going to put him in the same category as Mahomes, but this is a guy that can put a team on his shoulders and say, I'll lead you to the promised land. And it's fun watching, you know, this guy play a game. So, and, and part of me, you know, would, would like to see, look, I mean, Andy Reid has been coaching in the league for, I don't know, 20 years. And he finally won a Super Bowl. And look how many people around the league and fans, you know, around the league were, were happy that he broke through that ceiling and finally could hoist the Lombardi trophy. Well, I kind of feel the same way for the city of Buffalo. If they, if they won finally, I mean, imagine going in the early nineties to four consecutive Super Bowls. That's almost unheard of. I, I don't think it's ever happened other than the bills and you lose every one of them, oh. every single one of them. <laughs> you're the bridesmaid, you're not the bride. And so part of me would like to see them, you know, finally win a few, I guess that's part of the Cubs fan in me, you know, the Cubs won 108 years. Well, the Bills have come close, but they've never, they've never won the Super Bowl. They've never hoisted that Lombardi trophy. Part of me would like to see them, but I mean, you know, also that, you know, you've got, I'd like to see Aaron Rodgers win another one. I mean, he's got one to his name. Of course, he's a first battle hall of famer. 
I just would like to see him also get that second, um, that second Super Bowl trophy. I'm letting my dog in as you talk. So sure. You, and, I'm sorry about that. I, no worries. Nothing I can do. Yeah, and, and Aaron Rodgers, I mean, talk about aging like a fine wine. Keep talking. He's 37, 38 years old right now and just had one of the best seasons of his career. I mean, this is an MVP season that Aaron Rodgers just had. I mean, what was, I think it was like 48 touchdowns to five interceptions. It's just insane. Absolutely insane what Rodgers has done. Um, I get what you're saying about Buffalo. I think that sometimes I do that sports fan thing where – um, even though I, I don't hate Buffalo as much as I hate the New York Jets, for example, I still kind of do the AFC East thing where I'm like, oh, you know, I don't, <laughs> don't want to see another AFC East team get in and win it all. I, I don't hate them. I mean, and, and I know that maybe people who uh, the wounds are still fresher from like the early 90s might say, no, you should hate them just as much. I, I just uh, I, I don't hate them as much as the Jets. I don't hate them quite as much as the Patriots. So it wouldn't it wouldn't offend me as much if, if Buffalo were to win one. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I want to get I mean, my ideal. I don't think you can really go wrong from the NFC side, right? Because entertainment wise, yeah, you want Mahomes in the Super Bowl. And then from the NFC side, you can't go wrong with Aaron Rodgers versus Mahomes. But I think in this scenario, Tom Brady versus Mahomes would be a lot of fun. And then you have the weird angle of it's a home game for Tampa, essentially, because they're playing the game in Raymond James Stadium, the Super Bowl. So they would have to get through three playoff right. road games to get to the home game in the big one. And there are going to be some fan. Now, I don't know, you know, it, it'll be fans from all over the country, but there are going to be some fans at Raymond James for that game. So I would imagine a lot of Buccaneers fans would show up and, and it, it would be, you know, as close to a home game as you could get in the Super Bowl. How okay? We're obviously we both live in Miami. We're doing a show from Miami. How many Dolphins fans are rooting for the Packers to win and just get rid of Tom Brady? Just not allow him to play in another Super Bowl. I would imagine the prevailing thought down here is we've seen enough of Tom Brady. Let's get let's let the Packers get in there. I'm just guessing, but I would think so. I think you know people down here were glad that the Patriots and Bill Belichick failed to make the playoffs, and I think they'd like to see. Tom Brady, uh, you know, knocked out of the knocked out, um, and uh, and and not get to the Super Bowl. You know, I've heard players. I can't remember which player. I've heard a couple of players say in the past that it was harder to lose. They'd rather lose. How do how did this? It was harder to lose a conference championship than it was to lose a Super Bowl, and that never made sense to me. Hmm. And I was actually invited to a meeting. I'm sure hundreds of people were on the, like a web thing today with, it, it's not going to be very long. It's going to be hosted by Aaron Andrews and it's going to be with Steve Young and Peyton Manning. Oh, and wow. we can submit questions. And I said that quote and I said, do you guys agree? Now, I don't know if Steve Young ever lost the Coppers championship. I know Peyton Manning has. He came very close. He's experienced losing, you know, Super Bowl. He's experienced losing a conference championship. Which hurt more? I'd like to know. I'd love to know that. I, I yeah. really, really would. Because uh, I, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, I, I wish I'd ever been in a situation like that. But wouldn't, wouldn't you think that getting as far as possible and then losing would be the most painful? I mean, um, I, I, I would I, think so. I, I feel that way as a fan. Like, I, like Frito, I, I know that, um, 
you know, the, the most recent examples I can use since my Dolphins haven't gotten there in forever. Uh, I, I look at the Miami Heat, <laughs> who I, I live and die with, and, you know, they, they've lost in, in two finals, and um, they've also lost in some Eastern Conference. Well, three finals, actually, they've lost in, because I, I forgot about last season. They lost in two finals with LeBron, one final last year. Now, last season was not that painful, because I they were playing with house money. I, I never thought they would get that far, so that – it's like a different conversation, but the two finals that the Heat lost with the big three, that was to me more disappointing than the couple of Eastern Conference finals the team had lost in years prior. Like they lost in an Eastern Conference finals with Shaq and Wade when they lost to Detroit in, uh, in 2005. Uh, and they lost in an Eastern Conference finals, you know, to Jordan's Bulls, you know, a long time ago. And, and, and that, to me, like those Eastern Conference Finals losses were not anywhere near as painful as getting all the way to the NBA Finals and then get the rug pulled out from under you. Yeah, I agree. That, that statement never made sense, but I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not a, you know, a football player. That's why, you know, I saw the quote. I can't remember who said it, but, I, you know, it wasn't like it was a press conference I was covering or anything like that. I, I couldn't, you know, give a follow-up question or ask the question, well, explain that. Um, that's why I, you know, I'm hoping among, I'm sure the many questions that were submitted today that mine gets asked. And if it, if it, if it's asked and answered, I'll tell you next week what was said. I mean, do you think maybe there's like a sense of such an accomplishment to get to the Super Bowl that it's like, Hey, you know, we got here and, and not even getting to this point would have been more disappointing that at least it's in a, you know, we, you win your conference, like it's an accomplishment in itself to get to the big game, if that might be it. I don't know. I mean, to me, just intuitively, I'd rather get to the big game. If I had to lose, yeah. I mean, I'd, I I want to get to the highest level possible, you know, and, and have a chance to win the last game of the season. And um, whoever it was that said this quote um, didn't feel that way. Like I say, I, I don't understand the reasoning, but I know it was said. And, and by the way, you look at Aaron Rodgers, who yeah, I want to go back to him for a second. You, you know, it's, it, Speaking of, you know, we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson and, and him not being involved, at least in picking the general manager of the, uh, of the Texans. And he's already been hired, Nick Casario, the, formerly of the Patriots. You know, it, it wasn't like, you know, we heard Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy had a bit, you know, had, you know, disagreements and maybe the relationship was fractured. But when LaFleur was hired away and, uh, and, and took over, as, as the head coach and, you know, he calls the plays as well, but as the season wore on last year, it seemed to get better. And look at the offense this year under him. I yeah. mean, my guy, he, Aaron Rodgers is going to win an MVP. And by the way, the jets who you despise so much, they hired the 49ers defensive coordinator, Robert Sala as their head coach who brought in and it's his offensive coordinator, San Francisco's quarterbacks coach, who's Matt LaFleur's brother. Yep. Mike LaFleur. So yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's now going to be the, 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 the offensive coordinator. And, uh, I mean, these guys are, you know, young and, and uh, you know, just a new generation of coaches. And a guy named Brandon Staley now coaching the, the uh, you know, the Chargers. And uh, he's like 30 years old, 31 years old. Sean McVay, when, when he was hired by the Rams, same thing. And, uh, you know, just the, the, these young guys that are just, you know, still out of, still barely out of diapers and are head coaches in the NFL. <laughs> You know, I, I want to move on to the Sean Watson situation. It's It's been nothing short mm -hmm. of a soap opera the last couple of weeks. You, you start to get these 
the most prominent reports that have come out, uh, Chris Mortensen, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport have, have been all over this about Deshaun really being unhappy with the Houston Texans to the point where he's not been returning phone calls. Um, right. He is not officially demanded a trade yet, but they fear it might be getting to that point. And there have been a number of things on the reported list of grievances for Deshaun Watson. Like he, you, you can go back to prior to the season starting. Uh, he was really upset when they traded away DeAndre Hopkins and didn't even give, they didn't even give him a heads up <laughs> that they were doing this. Um, you know, he obviously uh, he wasn't getting along with Bill O'Brien who did get fired. So maybe that that's kind of a wash from this point. But um, I think the big point of contention comes from, so the owner of the Texans, Cal McNair, had made Deshaun Watson a promise behind the scenes that he was going to let Deshaun become involved in the search for a new GM and a new head coach. It could have been anything as little as, hey, give me some names, give me some input on who we should interview to you can even sit in on some of these interviews and you can speak to these potential candidates and you know, he, he had promised him influence in that decision. Uh, and then after promising him that, um, he just goes out and hires Nick Casario, who you mentioned uh, from the Patriots, brings him over as the GM without any sort of heads up or, or courtesy mm -hmm. call to Deshaun Watson. They're doing it. And then Deshaun Watson was reportedly enraged by that. Like, why are you going to promise this to me and then not deliver on it? And another thing that Deshaun Watson wanted was you guys have to interview Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, um, the window to do an in-person interview was, you know, a couple of weeks ago during the Chiefs bye week in the playoffs, that that was when Bieniemy would have been allowed to come in, interview in person. If you didn't right. take advantage of that window, you wouldn't be able to interview him until after the Chiefs season is over, which may not be until, you know, after the Super Bowl at this point. And so, you know, Watson was really upset that they missed that interview. They, they missed that window. Now, Houston is kind of backtracking here because they've been granted special permission by the NFL. And I think they've already done the interview this week, if I'm not mistaken, but that they were granted permission to virtually interview BNME over a Zoom mm -hmm. call, maybe something like that. And so I think they're now trying to patch things up with Deshaun Watson. But what, what I want to ask you, Frito, is that this is this is a, a question I think is really worth asking when we discuss this story. Um, is when you talk about star players having influence on hiring decisions like this, where it's certainly not in his contract, you know, to have any sort of say in hiring general managers and head coaches, that comes down to the owner, that comes down to the brass. Um, sh should Watson even be given this sort of influence, this sort of say in head coaching and GM hires? Could this be kind of a slippery slope here? It can be. Um, I tell you what, though, but if Cal McNair promises you that you are going to be part of the process and reneges on that, you as a player, how can you trust this guy ever Bingo. again? I mean, he, I agree. He made a big promise. It's not like he made this tiny little promise and went back on it. This is a big deal. And if he says you can be in the room, you can have input, you can give your advice. Maybe you can even ask questions to prospective candidates, however far that promise went. If he suddenly backtrack and all of a sudden i read a tweet that he's hired or i hear forever and i wasn't part of that process i can't trust my owner again uh but that said do, do i guess 
do players themselves deserve, even just the, the, the top echelon of players, and I think it would only be quarterbacks, mm-hmm. um, you know, do the top echelon of players deserve to be in that room? I, you know, we just talked about, uh, you know, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and how there was friction, at least, you know, we read, you know, last year before, you know, the offense was fully grasped by Aaron Rodgers and his teammates. I would bet, based on that, that Aaron Rodgers didn't have input into the hiring of Matt LaFleur. It didn't sound like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if Aaron Rodgers doesn't, I don't think Deshaun Watson gets to be in that room either. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, Deshaun Watson has had a splendid career in his first few years, no doubt about it. And his, his arc is, is still going up. But, you know, if, if Rodgers doesn't get input, should Watson have it? I don't know if I'm an owner if I make that promise that, if I do, then keep the promise, but you've got to let the player know you are just part of giving advice. I want your input. You can tell me what you think, but guess what? The decision is mine. I'm the owner. And if, it, if, it, if you don't get your way, don't be a petulant child. Don't say, well, we can't play in the same sandbox together because I did keep my promise to you that you were part of the process. You, I just didn't happen to agree with your opinion, which happens all the time when you have a group of people in a room and, and you know, they, they're, if you go around the table and say, all right, what do you think of, you know, A, B, or C? And, and some people are going to say A, and guess what? You pick C, and they just have to live with it. Yeah, um, you, you're right, because um, I, I do think that letting a star quarterback, especially that position because it's so important and it's especially important when you're as good as Deshaun Watson because he, he he's the straw that stirs the drink on that Houston Texans team he's he's such a they're so lucky to have him to be honest he's such a good quarterback when the rest of that team stinks they're so oh, yeah. lucky to have that guy and so um I, I think I think there's nothing wrong with having input for him because if I put myself in Cal McNair's shoes okay if I'm the owner of the Houston Texans I would like to make sure at the end of the day that um, even more so the head coach than the GM, I think it's important to, to, to have the idea that my next head coach is going to be a guy that gets along with and has a good understanding with my star quarterback, right? So I, I think it's important that whoever I hire as my head coach, who's going to be coaching one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, because that's what Deshaun Watson is. I think it's pretty damn important that they have a good working relationship because if my, if my head coach and my quarterback are are getting on like oil and vinegar and they're just not mixing together, that's going to be problematic. Right. And, and we're, you know, theoretically uh, you know, I know Deshaun is maybe trying to get out of there, but theoretically they're married to one another for the next several years because he just signed that contract extension. Right. So they, they have his rights locked up for, for the next three or four seasons. Um, you know, I want to make sure that that marriage between quarterback and head coach works. And, you know, I, I think the GM thing is a little bit, that's a little bit more of a, of a fuzzy area because how, how much do GMs really interact with quarterbacks? But I think you can make that argument because the GM is the one who's going to be picking the weapons and the offensive philosophy that's going to affect that quarterback. So yeah, long story short, I, I think it's actually probably a smart idea to take suggestion from the court. If you have a star quarterback, taking input and suggestion, there's nothing wrong with that. But the key comes down to what you said, Frito. The quarterback has to realize at the end of the day, this is not my say. I can give my input. 
I can make suggestions. I right. can facilitate in the search because I, I need to be able to trust the guy who owns my team to try and make the best possible decision that's going to benefit everyone, including me, because I'm the star quarterback. But I can't be throwing a fit if I don't get my way. But that doesn't really apply here because, like you said, I think it was a big mistake by Cal McNair to make a promise he couldn't keep. That if Cal McNair gave Deshaun Watson, hey, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to give you some input. And then Deshaun Watson finds out via Twitter who his next GM is, that's on the owner. I would like to see if McNair promised him input as a coach or input in the GM or both. And if, you know, if, if I was in Houston and there was a press conference introducing Nick Casario, I would ask McNair flat out, did you make this promise? And if so, did why wasn't it kept? And, and because I, I'd have to ask a follow-up because it's not being kept. How can, if you have your most important player with, the possible exception of J.J. Watt when he's healthy. Um, you know, you have your most important player on the team and other players look at this, whether it's a, a member of your team or a prospective free agent that may come to Houston. If they say, see, you're breaking a promise to your best player, your most important player, your most valuable player, how do you think they're going to feel? Well, if, he, if he lies to the player, you know, the best player, he doesn't give a damn what I think and might lie to me too. Yeah. There's a ripple effect of breaking a promise that big, at least in my opinion. And, and now um, we're, we're seeing, I think we're seeing them trying to fix it. Um, it. It would not surprise me whatsoever if they offer their position to Eric Bieniemy to try and kind of course correct here. Because the, the way that I look at it, Frito, is a lot of people are, are, you know, they're playing fantasy football here. I see Jets fans figuring out. What do we need to do to get Deshaun Watson to New York? Dolphins fans, what do we need to do to get Deshaun Watson to Miami? Is it worth, you know, and, and I do want to talk about this. Is it worth, you know, giving up on Tua's development to bring in Deshaun Watson? We'll get to that. But at the end of the day, I think that the outcome that benefits both parties most, Deshaun Watson being one party, the Houston Texans being the other, the outcome that benefits both sides, I believe, is reconciliation. Like, I, I think they have most to benefit from coming to an understanding and staying together. Because I, I look at it first from the Houston Texans side. Franchise quarterbacks at age 25 yeah. do not get traded mm -hmm. away. Like, it's, it's, it's right. something that never happens. Like, you're under contract for the next several years for almost a half decade. Franchise quarterbacks in their physical prime do not get traded away. These guys are so hard to replace. Cal McNair does not want to be the idiot owner who actually traded away a potentially generational type of talent at the most important position exactly. in football. PR-wise, it's so hard to bounce back from that. You might as well sell the team after you make that move. Like that, That's a really, really hard one to come back from. Then from the Deshaun Watson side, okay, um, I'm not saying there's no way for him to come out of this unscathed, but if he really wants Frito to force this trade, I believe he's going to have to make it ugly. And I don't know if he has the stomach for that, right? Because it, it might reach the point where Watson is going to have to actually really play hardball, which risks alienating the fan base there, holding out of games potentially, which means really pissing off a lot of people. So he can actually give Cal McNair the opportunity to come out looking like the good guy. Cause Cal McNair may say like, Hey, listen, uh, I made a mistake, but then I, I went out, I interviewed the enemy. Like I, I, I gave the olive branch out to Deshaun. I tried to make this right. 
and now he's refusing to report to camp and he's refusing to play for us. And, you know, the NFL fan base, uh, maybe some people would decide with Watson, a lot of people would turn on him. Uh, so I, I think the, the most beneficial thing to both parties at the end of the day here is to come to an agreement. And uh, I'm just still, and I'm, you know, Frito, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, and I, I would love the opportunity to bring a guy like Deshaun Watson to Miami Gardens to play football. I just, I don't see it in the cards because trading away a quarterback that good at 25 years old just does not happen. What do you think? If, if Nick Casario says to you and you're uh, Chris Greer and he says, all right, you want Deshaun? I want Tua. I want the, your third overall pick. I want your 18th overall pick. And we're going to swap second rounders or something like that. It's an awfully steep price. It is. You make that deal? Uh, I, I, I make you it. Make that deal? I, I, I prefer to give up a little bit less, but I want to answer your hypothetical fairly. I don't want to change the terms of the deal. You threw that hypothetical at me. Um, I, I make that deal. It's not my preferred price to give up because at, at the end of the day, I don't know what Tua Tagovailoa is going to be. I know exactly who Deshaun Watson is. And the hope would be within the next two, three years, Tua becomes as good as Deshaun Watson already is. You're talking about a prospect versus a proven commodity. And yes, I would be hesitant to give up that many high draft picks only because you could say, hey, this is taking away your chance of building weapons to make that offense even better. But what I keep going back to is this very same Miami Dolphins team this past season, 2020, without good weapons and with uneven quarterback play, found a way to win 10 games, found a way to win 10 games with, you know, the, the 37 year old gunslinger starting a quarterback, some games, the deer in the headlights, rookie starting other games, still good enough to be on the cusp of the playoffs <laughs> and 10 wins. You throw Deshaun Watson on that team. Would I prefer to have more weapons built in the first round? Absolutely. But I put Deshaun Watson on the team this past year. They're winning 12 games, Frito, at least. And, and they're a playoff team. So yeah, um, I, I would rather roll the dice with Deshaun Watts. Well, it's not even a roll. I, I'd rather roll the dice with that situation than roll the dice with to his future, wondering if he's going to ever be as good as Deshaun Watson. You know, Dolphins fans were so quick to pull the trigger on a rookie and say, oh, he's so disappointing. And, you know, for when you and I were doing a show before, you know, it's tank for Tua. How, how long did that go? And, and the Dolphins fans were upset because they started winning a couple years ago, thereby moving down in the pecking in, in the draft order, thus reducing their chances, maybe from having a top overall pick, you know, they fell to number five and Tua happened to fall in their lap. And this is the guy they wanted. This is the guy they prayed for. And all of a sudden, oh, he didn't do well enough. We want to get rid of him. Uh, now, look, I don't blame – I agree with you. If you get a chance to trade Tua, who you don't know how he will develop, uh, for a guy like Deshaun, who we've seen, you know, and, and still the, the early innings of his career, if you will, um, you know, yeah, you know what Deshaun Watson can do. And, and I've always said, you know, when teams hold on to draft picks. Now, I could see at the very top, if you don't – if you have a targeted guy, I understand that. But – I'm thinking, I guess, more baseball in this, you know, when mm -hmm. teams trade away prospects. Prospects are just that. They are unproven yep. in whatever sport you're talking about. And you can look at guys at the top end of the draft in any sport, and you will see busts. You will see guys that just fell flat on their face. 
no matter what sport you're talking about. But it just it was a shock to me that you know the Dolphins fans were so willing, even before this Watson, this possible Watson trade, uh, you know, came to light. It just it's amazing how many were ready to give up on two after one. The guys were started ten games in his career, yeah. and you've decided that's it. That's he, he can't have further development. Really, I mean, it's just it, you got to have patience. You're right, and, and let me make an important distinction. Um, yeah, there, there is a faction of Dolphins fans who are ready to give up on the guy no matter what. They're like, hey, we got the third overall pick. Why don't we give Justin Fields or Zach Wilson a shot? I don't know about this, too. Uh, those people are idiots. Like the, the people who are ready to pull the plug and replace him with another rookie, another prospect, that, that's an idiotic thing to do because how quickly people forget. And, yeah, Tua, Tua struggled in some games. I, I, I make no – excuses for that he struggled in some games but he also really excelled in a couple of games I mean his performance against Kansas City was brilliant how quickly people forget about that his performance against Arizona was brilliant people ignore that because they only focus on the bad games so yeah anyone anyone who is all ready to pull the plug and replace him with another rookie that's really stupid and it's really impatient and I'm glad these people are general managers via you know stick to your day job guys um, I, I think it's different, though. I, I think the Deshaun Watson thing is different. Like, it's one thing to want to replace Tua with an unproven player. Um, I, I think is because for me, um, I like Tua. I've defended Tua a lot when he's been attacked by Dolphin fans and, and other people who think the guy sucks or he's going to be bust. I've defended the guy a lot. I just think it's completely different when if you have the opportunity to replace a, a quarterback that I like but who's an unproven commodity with a proven commodity like Deshaun Watson, that, 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 that's when you get me excited about the prospects. Like if I'm going to quote unquote, give up on Tua, it's got to be for someone established that that's the only way I would do that. If the, if, if you're the Dolphins front office, Chris Greer and his lieutenants, including Brian Flores, determine that the price is just too high they simply don't want to pay it all right that's fair that's what they're paid to make decisions like that do you worry at all that he might be traded within the division and suddenly you're going to have to face Deshaun Watson twice a year if the Jets say all right we're going to pull the trigger we're going to trade for this guy and you know does does that factor into your thinking at all I mean you know we know how important division games are and and I'm wondering if that even incrementally more, just a little bit, mm. just to prevent that from happening. I don't know, but I will say, let's say, okay, let's say that the, uh, the price tag is too high and they say, we don't want to pay that. You've also with, with Tua and with everybody really in the NFL, he didn't have the benefit of, and we've talked about this before, OTAs and, you know, off-season workouts and off-season meetings and, 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 you know, COVID affected everything. So everybody's development is going to be a little bit shaky because of circumstances way beyond, way beyond their control. And if you're a Dolphins fan, I think sometimes they, they forget that. And, and you know, you, the, everybody's development was hampered somewhat, some more than others, because of what they couldn't do to further that development. Yeah, um, no, no doubt. It's like the, the way that I look at this, and, and I, let me address the Jets scenario first that you brought up, actually. Um, it, it would be painful 
if he wound up playing for the New York Jets. I'm not going to blame Dolphins grass for that because um, I, I, I strongly believe that you don't, you, you don't need to be making moves based on what your opponents are going to do. And then if you've decided you, you need to make moves, if you're Chris Greer, the Dolphins GM, you need to solely base your moves on what's best for you, not making your move on, Hey, this may not be the best thing for us, but we can hurt an opponent in the process. I, just, I don't think that's a smart way to make those decisions. As much as I dislike the New York Jets, I, I want the Dolphins to make this decision solely based on themselves and not based on others. That if they think this is too much to give up for Tua, I don't want them, or too much to give up for Watson, I don't want them giving it up just to keep him from the New York Jets. I, I don't. Um, as as far as the uh, as far as Tua's development. The way that I look at it with the Deshaun Watson prospect, it's a shiny object out there, but I don't think the Dolphins can lose either way, okay? If they're able to get Watson for not a completely unreasonable price, huge W, that's fantastic. If they decide the price is too steep or if Watson's not available at the end of the day, which I think is a distinct possibility, then I'm not going to lose sight of the fact that coming up in April and even March through free agency, March into April, Dolphins have an incredible opportunity to add weapons and improve their squad over $30 million under the salary cap, right? They can go after a free agent wide receiver like Allen Robinson. They can, you know, if they want to go after like a Mark Ingram at running back, although I'm, I'm not that big on bringing in a 31 year old running back. I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you, but he's out there. He's got a lot of people talking and then you get into the draft and assuming you haven't traded any of those picks for Deshaun Watson, you've got the third, 18th 36th and 50th overall picks you know plus later round picks so this is you know this is no lose because you're either going to build a ton of weapons and toys around your developing quarterback or you know you're going to give up some of that to bring in a proven commodity um the, the dolphins are in a great spot here and and if and i i do believe uh in giving to a, a chance and to put him in the best position to succeed He's going to be able to have OTAs and minicamp coming up. He missed out on that last year. He's also not recovering from hip surgery this year. So he's not going to have his, uh, his training camp cut short. Uh, I would presume we might get preseason games this season. I don't know that for sure, but maybe that's going to be in the cards this year as well. And uh, he's going to have better weapons around him. So yeah, you, you've got to put him in, in the ultimate position to succeed. Plus if the Dolphins don't make that trade, that it doesn't preclude them from trading down. You know, as I've said before, put the first sale sign up on that third yeah. overall pick, and maybe someone's just going to, yeah. to quote my favorite movie, someone might make you an offer you can't, refu can't refuse. And, ah. I mean, the Dolphins moved up from, from, from 12 to 3 to pick Deion, uh, Deion Jordan. Deion Jordan, right? yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, that was a disaster. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they got an extra second rounder to do that, the 44th overall pick. You know, it, to move back to nine spots. So if you feel that if the Dolphins feel it's a deep draft and they can acquire more picks to just have more pieces to maybe pick a, a running back or a wide receiver, you know, and, and to further that, that, that offense uh, and give two or more weapons, that, you know, that's great. I, that's, I, I love draft day trades or trades that were made before the draft where teams move down and teams see, you know, some teams might say, well, you know, look at the quarterbacks. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence goes number one, but, you know, Fields available and Moss is available, or um, uh, Zach, um, uh, um, not Moss, 
who's the quarterback that can, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach, Zach Wilson. Wilson, yeah. So, I mean, if, if some team wants to say, all right, this is a franchise quarterback, you know, we want to pick him or the offensive lineman, uh, left tackle, then, you know, guess what? They, they just might be willing to pay. And a third overall pick is a very valuable commodity, whether you use that on a player or you move back and you acquire more picks, which is, uh, you know, always nothing wrong with that. If you feel that your scouting department is that good and has really lasered in on some guys, then, uh, you know, that's what makes at least early in the draft, you know, a heck of a lot of fun to watch. Frito, I, I think there's there's a, a narrative from the New York media that is now trying to really push Deshaun Watson towards the New York Jets because there, there's one thing that I don't get about this narrative, all right? On the one hand, people look at the Miami Dolphins dis- situation and say, hey, they, they don't have a whole lot of weapons that if they were to give up you know, all this cap space and all this draft capital to bring in Deshaun Watson, then you're really putting him in a, in a bad spot where he's now the quarterback of the Dolphins. And then who is he throwing the football to? And, oh, you're just in another Houston type of situation. But then people somehow look at the New York Jets and say, oh, look at all this draft capital they have. They can acquire Deshaun Watson. And, oh, my gosh, that's the perfect marriage. Like, Frito, do people think that Adam Gase was just so bad that getting rid of him automatically gives you eight more wins than what you had last year? Because I I don't understand how on the one hand people can say that if the Dolphins gave up all their draft picks for Deshaun, then that's putting him in a tough situation. But, oh, the Jets would be a wonderful spot. Okay, so the the Jets also have two first-round picks. They've got number two and number 27. Dolphins have number three and number 18. So if you were to assume that the Jets would have to give up 227 and probably some other draft picks to get Deshaun Watson, then you're taking Deshaun Watson onto a team that gives up their draft capital and only won two games last year. Uh, so clearly they don't have a whole lot going on. Now they do have a new head coach there. So if we believe Adam Gates was just that awful, maybe Robert Sala is immediately worth like seven or eight extra wins just by himself. But in that scenario, Frito, I mean, because I, I look at the, the Dolphins, despite not having great weapons, still won 10 games last year. The Jets won two games last year. So if the Jets are giving up all their capital to bring in Deshaun Watson, wouldn't that like be being on another Houston Texans? Because he goes from a, a bad team to another bad team now with no draft capital. I mean, uh, why am I having trouble understanding why people are pushing this New York narrative? Well, because Deshaun Watson is the flavor of the month right now. And, you you know, if Jets fans see this, this shiny new object, which is, you know, one, a, a great, great young quarterback. But I believe you, you're giving up so much to get him. Who's he going to be surrounded by? I would think the Jets, right. if I were them, I would rather draft a quarterback uh, or even move back a slot or two, whatever the case may be, if they had to. And, you know, it's a, part of this depends. If they don't go the Watson route, how much faith – Joe Douglas, the GM, and Robert Sala. I, I believe Joe Douglas, by the way, did not. He was with the Eagles at the time. I don't think he it was any part of the Sam Darnold draft. I don't think that was him at all. Mm. Um, uh, and so, how much faith does Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and his, and and now Mike Lafleur have in Sam Darnold? If they have faith in him and say, "All right," behind closed doors, and Gase admitted, Adam Gase admitted, this was remarkable that he admitted publicly. I didn't develop this guy as well as I should have. I, I, was, I was bad in developing him. How many times do you see an offensive coach or any coach make an admission like that? Especially that uh, one. If they believe that Sam – yeah. If they believe in Sam Darnold is 
de developable to make up a, a, a new English word and they have faith in him, well, then you'll, you know what? Then you go another route. You keep those picks or you move down and acquire even more picks and get building blocks to a team that needs help in so many areas. And I think this could be a defining draft, if you, especially if you move down from number two and instead of getting just one player, you turn that into multiple players. And if, you know, I mean, first and second rounders, if you can, you know, develop these guys, um, boy, you can, you can improve your team. The NFL, I'm not saying they would turn things around in one year, but boy, that's a league just like the NBA. And, you know, I'm not saying baseball is a little bit slower, but boy, you can turn around your team from one season to the next so quickly. You go from a four-win team to 11 wins in one season if things break right for you. Wow. Yeah. You know, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, so w w when we come back, um, I, I want to get into some, uh, this is a baseball related story. The, the former now GM <laughs> of New York Mets, <laughs> it's, it's a baseball adjacent story. Uh, I want to get into that here on Dono and Frito, but, but before we send it to break, I guess a, a, any parting thoughts on this Deshaun Watson business, I'll ask you Frito, do, what probability would you give it on him actually being traded? Because I'm still below 50%. Uh, and, you know, I outlined the reasons why I think it's beneficial for both sides to come to some sort of an understanding and work it out. I'm going to go 35% that Deshaun Watson would actually be traded. What do you think? That sounds reasonable. And I would, if I'm Cal McNair, I'm doing anything and everything I can to try to patch things up and say, look, you want to be enemy? We are bringing him in or we have brought him in, you know, virtually for an interview. He's part of this. I don't know if we're going to hire him because I would imagine, well, look, for the head coach, you know, you've got, um, you know, the, I think the owner maybe has ultimate say, but, you know, if, you know, unless Nick Casario has all encompassing powers to make the, the everything football related is, is, is finally up to him, but, I would do everything I could to patch things up. I would have JJ Watt call Deshaun Watson you know, and say, what can, what can we do to smooth things out? I'm staying here. I'm the three-time defensive player of the year. I'm a first out hall of famer. I mean, maybe you don't, you don't sound that immodest, but um, you know, I'm staying, I'm, I'm, you know, making things um, I'm trying to make things better, but you know, the Texans right now, no first rounder, no second rounder, and they're they're a dumpster fire of a team, you know. And if, I still think they're going to hold on to Deshaun Watson unless you are blown out of the water. I'm sorry, Deshaun. I'm not trading you. I know you didn't like the way things happened, and I know maybe I broke my promise, but you are a generational quarterback, and I ain't letting you go. I'll tell you something that really annoys me, um, and and this may be you know me sounding like an old man uh, that when when athletes who are going through things in their profession, like, you know, they're, they're trying to get traded somewhere or they're unhappy with ownership. I get so annoyed. And this is something that LeBron James used to do. Even Dwayne Wade has done this before when they go onto social media and they write these cryptic tweets. I, I hate it. It's like, I, this is such like a millennial Gen Z type of thing. It's like, bro, either tell me what you're talking, either tell me what you're thinking or keep your goddamn mouth shut. Like, I, I don't know. Like, so, so, so Deshaun, Deshaun Watson is now, is now doing this. He's getting into, and we call it sub tweets, subliminal tweets. Like right. Right. if you, if you feel like, if you want to keep your fans like updated on something, like make a statement, like, Hey guys, I appreciate everyone 
checking in on me, you know, be patient, you know, I'm gonna have to do what's what's best for my career. Like, if you want to make a statement, like give people something tangible. So Deshaun Watson, a couple of days ago, uh, he, he writes this cryptic tweet. So there, there's a photo of him sitting in what looks like uh, in the back of, of, of a taxi, right? So maybe he's mm-hmm. trying to like make people think, oh, is he in a New York City taxi? He's got a, a green and white hat on, right? So that, 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 that's got New York Jets fans excited. And then the <laughs> caption, the caption to the, the picture is, and apparently this is a song lyric. I don't, I don't know if it's from a future song, the rapper. I, I've never heard this before. But, but the caption here is, I've been trying to have some patience. I told my mama she should pray on it. And then there's the photo of him with the green and white hat on in the taxi. So it's like, you see that. It's like, dude, like you're, 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 you're now trying to throw out these, these tweets where you're, you're trying to get fans riled up and wonder what's going on either tell me what you're thinking or shut the hell up. I don't need these emo, whiny, <laughs> cryptic tweets. When I saw that, Frito, it almost made me say, if I'm Chris Greer, I don't even, I don't even want this guy. Like, oh, I, I get so annoyed by the, by the cryptic subtweets. What if he said, I don't, like, I don't like trains, I don't like automobiles. If I'm going somewhere, I prefer jets. That would be so. funny. I, I still think you're right. I think, in my opinion, the odds are overwhelmingly, in my, in my opinion, that he stays with the Texans. I, I don't want to get rid of that guy. I do anything and everything I can to patch things up with him. And, and they gave yeah. him a ton of money. He, he owes them something. They gave him a ton of money. They, they did. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, he, he, he's not playing for free. He's presenting a bill for services, and they're, they're paying it. I don't know how much of a $160 million deal was guaranteed, but I'm guessing. And I usually remember stuff like this, and I just don't. I'm guessing it was probably around 100 million dollars. You know, he he and his he and his new girlfriend don't have to. Uh, you know, it's okay. They're they're doing just fine. Yeah, they they probably bought that taxi that he's sitting in, and they they bought the they yeah. bought the jet that he's going to fly to New York, and if he ends up there, oh man. <laughs> so we we got a lot more to come on hour two of the Dono and Frito show coming up. Uh, always enjoy doing the show, and and a huge thanks to. Frank Fernandez and Letty Milian, the amigo, for making it happen. Stick around. Dono and Frito Show, Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio.